welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Jared Justice, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Jared Justice, he's at the controls today, and joining me in studio for the first time ever as a co-host, right? Like, you are going to be hanging out with me for the next two hours. That's probably all you're going to be able to stand of me over the course of the next two hours. But hey, it's Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun, does a great job covering the Golden Knights, beat writer extraordinaire. Danny, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, buddy, and Jared, bravo on that woo. Nice. Somebody <laughs> liked it. Like, listen, I'm not a woo critiquer. I, I like I leave that to Mallard. And and we've got a little bit of time before Mallard's critiquing woos. I don't necessarily critique woos. I will say this, Jared, over time, your woos have gotten better. That might have been the best woo I've ever heard you woo. And that was the one I didn't take a breath for, so all right, fair enough. Well, okay. So Jared's fired up, Danny's fired up, I'm fired up. It's Show number two of the VGK Insider Show this season. As we've talked about, Darren Millard will be joining us in the next couple of weeks. Chris Chapman, we expect to be back in studio on Monday. But right now, we're going to get to everything you want to know as a Vegas Golden Knight fan heading into a season in which this team is defending a Stanley Cup championship. That's right. That's kind of the bit that we do here. The Golden Knights... Won the Stanley Cup. I don't know if anybody knows that. If anyone listening to this needed a reminder, the Vegas Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions. Their defense of that championship starts uh, in about a month or so. And right now, I kind of want to go back again to what was the run that we saw from the Vegas Golden Knights how different this team might have felt to somebody as like me that was on the inside. So, Danny, let's start there because I want to get your thoughts, your opinions of last season and the playoff run as a whole for the Golden Knights. You covered them. You were there all year. Was there a moment early on maybe in the season or at some point in the season before the playoffs started where you start to look at this team a little bit differently or you just felt like they had something more? I think when you look back at the totality of it, the one spot that I look at more than anything is the first few games after the All-Star break because mm-hmm. but going into the All-Star break, they were on that slide, I think, what was it, 2-7-1 and seven and one in their last 10 going into the break. They were not playing their best hockey. And even Bruce Cassidy said multiple times, we need a break. Mm-hmm. We've been playing a lot of hockey. We have a lot of banged-up guys. Mark Stone was about to undergo his second back surgery in less than a year. And you just had this feeling that, you know, maybe they need a little bit of a reset, a little bit of a recharge. And they come out and they start winning. And not only do they start winning, Aiden Hill starts winning games. He he becomes the number one guy because Logan Thompson gets hurt in that second game out Mm -hmm. of the break. And then they just found a rhythm without Mark Stone. They found a rhythm without Logan Thompson. And at that point, I started to think, this might be the chance where they can start getting something going. And the one stretch that I think was the most important out of that whole stretch was when they beat Carolina mm-hmm. and in Carolina and they beat Tampa. And I think before that was that they beat New Jersey at home and they beat, I can't remember who it was they beat in that other game at home, but that, that four game stretch where they beat some of the top teams in the Eastern conference, even without their quote unquote, number one goalie, even without their captain, they still found a way to win games. And I think that was the one moment where I was like, if they get into the playoffs and if Stone does come back, mm-hmm. 
that that's going to be the run where I look at it and say that that's probably where they started to get that separation. So you said something that I thought was really interesting, right? Bruce Cassidy saying we need a break, mm-hmm. right? And there, I remember that stretch specifically the six game road trip that started on the front half of the the bye week and finished when when the players came back. They were 0-2-2 going into the bye week, right? And couldn't buy a goal to save their lives. They they just could not score, and it it felt like familiar issues. Mm -hmm. And then you hear Bruce Cassidy, who was not there the season before, who isn't really familiar with kind of those struggles that we as fans or fans and people that have covered this team know. And the idea of him looking at it from that perspective, I thought was really interesting because a lot of people are just like, well, no, this is just who the team is. Mm-hmm. It's just who they are. We're finding it out here at the bye week instead of, you know, in, in the second round or the third round of the playoffs. Yeah. And Bruce's assessment of it was exactly right. And I remember saying it on really that last post game show going into the bye week. The only thing this team needs to focus on is anything but hockey. Mm-hmm. The only thing the Golden Knights need is a week away from hockey. Because you get to a point where you're you're just you're so immersed in it, and and I think that over time we've we've kind of seen that over these seasons is that the season is such a grind that for the teams that can kind of take advantage and completely unplug, those are the teams that come back and really do some damage after the All Star break, and that was the Golden Knights. They took that to heart, got completely away from it, and came back and were phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And even when you look back at you know, the, like you mentioned, Bruce Cassidy wasn't here the year before, and you look at how that group, you know, they came out of the All-Star break, they they looked fine, but they immediately got hit with injuries. Mark Stone got mm-hmm. hurt again, and he was in and out of the lineup for a little bit. Max Pacioretty got hurt, and just all these injuries just caved in, and just there was no way of recovering. This time they knew exactly what was going to happen. They figured they were going to be without Stone for the rest of the regular season, so Bruce Cassidy had to go back to the drawing board and said, okay, what is going to work for us for these next couple of months? And sure enough, they turn it into a more so of a defense turns into offense type of system. They're able to be friendly to the goalie no matter who was in, whether it be Hill, Quick, Patera, you know, insert goalie here. (laughs) You know, it it worked out. And the fact that they were able to carry that into the playoffs when when Stone got back, and obviously he's playing at a high level after the Winnipeg series, and then the fact that they were able to translate that from Laurent Brassois to... Aiden Hill in the mm-hmm. second round when Bersault went down, it just seemed like everything was clicking for them at the right time and they were able to ride that momentum all the way to the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, you mentioned Jonathan Quick. That was a trade deadline mm-hmm. acquisition. And you, you talked about the run, right, like that they went on after the All-Star break. You needed the wins mm-hmm. from Jonathan Quick. In order to finish tops in the division, win the Western Conference, all of that, the, the seeding that they had, you needed those wins. But obviously the biggest player to come in and have an impact was Ivan Barbashev. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you start to look at things from that perspective. Jack Eichel didn't take off, and Jonathan Marcheseau didn't really have that that impact that you were looking for or the impact on par with what he did with the Misfits until Ivan Barbashev comes into the fold. Why do you think Barbashev and, and Eichel and Marcheseau work so well together? Because they didn't play a ton together in the yeah. regular season. There were handfuls here and there, but it was something that Bruce Cassidy went away from and then went back to in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the one thing that was important was 
he was just such a physical presence on that line. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have two finesse guys on the wing, like Marcia Sol and you know, whoever else you want to put on there, it kind of, it does open it up a little bit, but you know that you can have somebody who's a stay-at-home defenseman kind of, you know, imposes will coming back the other way. So mm-hmm. you need someone that's willing to, you know, be on the forecheck, be aggressive. And I think that did open things up for Jack Eichel. I think that did open things up for Jonathan Marcia Sol, especially, you know, once, once uh, Barbashev lays the first check mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have two guys who are who have the ability to kind of go two on one on the other way and I think that kind of worked out for them and you know I I hope for the Golden Knights sake they understand that Ivan Barbashev can become this 60 point guy on a consistent basis because you're investing your future in him mm-hmm. but you know what I I do think that for right now he definitely does work for what they do especially on that top line so the thing with Barbashev is interesting right because you're talking about a player that hasn't hit that mark yet but I I think the expectation for everybody going into the season is that your top line is Ivan Barbashev Jack Eichel and John of the Marcheseau and if you've got that chemistry if it's able to carry over from what they were able to do in the playoffs to what they can potentially do over 82 games when frankly there's going to be teams that are gunning for the golden knights they want to show their best against the defending stanley cup champions but you're also going to get those teams that are on the second half of a back-to-back and you know what they look at vegas it's okay (laughs) we know this is this is a schedule loss right so what are your expectations for barbashev coming into this year given that the Golden Knights had to move on from a player like Riley Smith in order to bring Ivan Barbashev back. The expectations are very high now yeah. for him, especially now that not, not even just giving him $5 million a year, you're getting him for the next five years. Sure. Yeah. So you are expecting this guy to essentially be that consistent 50, 60 point guy. I don't think you need him to be, you know, a top level winger. You just need someone that complements Eichel and Marshall so well. And that was one of the questions I asked Kelly McCrimmon after they acquired him, because at the time when they made the move, I think Barbashev was really low on score. I think he had maybe like 20 points in like mm. 50 games or something like that. And I was asking him, I said, are you picking this, are you acquiring this player more so to get the guy that you hope was the year before, which was a very solid 60-point guy on a St. Louis team that I think surprised a lot of people? And, you know, he didn't really take well to that question but at this but at the same time it's like well you're investing one of your top prospects and zach dean to mm-hmm. get this guy on a rental and you're hoping to bring him back and now that you've seen how how high his value is you're you're essentially at a point now where you have to hope he's that consistent 50 60 point guy and it, even if he can give you just a little bit of that for the duration of this contract you're starting to feel a little bit good about yourself but the expectations now are extremely high knowing that how well he worked with those other two yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting for me when it comes to Barbashev because I, I think the world of the player. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, there. yesterday we opened it up here on the VGK Insider Show to the fans, to the listeners, signature moments. And and there were quite a few that that dealt with really the physicality that the Golden Knights played with. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that was something that, you know, you kind of go back through this team's history, you go back through some of the losses that they had had in the postseason, and... I don't, I don't want to say that they ever got pushed around. Like, you have a team with Ryan Reeves, you're not getting pushed around. But there were those moments within a game where it's not so much pushing and shoving, it's not so much the stuff after the scrums, it's sticking up for yourself in different ways. It's laying a big hit mm-hmm. in a corner. It's what Ivan Barbashev did to Radko Gudis yeah. in the final. It's what Ivan Barbashev would do in the corners to, to the Dallas Stars. It, it was Ryan Suter, bad as he is, hearing the footsteps 
and finding ways to make just boneheaded plays that the Golden Knights were able to capitalize on. And, you know, I, I think for over, over the course of an 82-game season, it's going to be hard to find that intensity hmm. night after night, especially now that you've won a Stanley Cup, right? Like, yeah. you know what you need to do in order to get into the playoffs. For this team, you start to, like, look at the landscape of the Pacific Division. I expect the Golden Knights to be among the very best in the Pacific, and it, I, I kind of extrapolate that out to the Western hmm. Conference, too. Um but with Barbashev, I, I don't even know that I'm I'm concerned with his regular season point totals. Yeah. Right? Like, you kind of get into that spot where what he does in the regular season, I, I, he's going to get his points playing alongside Jack Eichel, John of the Marsh. So if it doesn't work out, you got to move some things around. You can put him in a lot of different places. But where Ivan Barbashev is really going to be the guy that shines for you, the the, the player that you want him to be, it's always going to be in the playoffs because every single shift matters that much more. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, one comparison, I'll, I'm going to throw out a wild comparison here because mm. I've been covering the Las Vegas Aces, the championship run last year and this year during the summer. And that's kind of one of the things that I've learned about this Aces team this year. They were on the pace to become the best WNBA team ever, and they're still on pace to do that. But they found points in the regular season where things have kind of dialed back. Things have kind of, they've kind of taken a step back as far as production. Obviously, injuries have hurt them in that aspect too. But the the one key thing that I've heard from them is they want to get to the playoffs. As long as they get to the playoffs, they the 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 switch flips and they're ready to go. Sure. I can see the same thing with the Golden Knights. As mm -hmm. long as they don't have a lull in March where it's like, okay, these are very concerning. You know, you can get the the lulls out of the way through the first half of the season. Once you get to that second part of the season, as long as you understand that the intensity is going to start revving up and as soon as you start understanding that, you know, things only matter when you get to the playoffs then I think, then I completely agree with you. I think they're going to be fine in that aspect. Do you think that kind of going into this season, they're going to be as hungry as they've been? From what I've been talking to some of the players in the offseason, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I talked to Logan Thompson a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, he's excited to get back fully healthy and mm -hmm. get back into this run. And, you know, when you, you get a sense just talking to guys like Nick Waugh or Brett Howden as well, they're they're very determined. They're very hungry to get back to that. And they understand the importance of, you know, winning it now is cool, but if you want to keep your dominance atop the NHL, it's going to have to be a little bit more of a grind. And a lot of these players, they're going to have bigger targets on their back. Mm -hmm. You look at a guy like Brett Howden, who you know took off the way that he did. Um, there's going to be a lot of more, a lot more focus on these guys, and I can definitely see that. You know, maybe there might be that little bit of a slippage, but I do think that in this room there is definitely that feeling of they know what they need to do to get back there. Yeah, I get I get the sense with this team. It, it's not one and done in that yep. they're satisfied with anything, mm -hmm. right? Like, you've been covering this team from day one. You've been around this organization from day one. Like, we've seen mm -hmm. what Kelly McCrimmon has done and George McPhee before Kelly McCrimmon in building a roster that can compete year after year. And you would make the argument that, you know, simply – They've gotten better every single year. Mm -hmm. And you can return essentially the exact same roster, minus Riley Smith, that won you a Stanley Cup. You should feel pretty good about yourself, especially in context of what's happened around you in the Pacific Division. Like yeah. the Edmonton Oilers haven't done much. Don't really know what the Calgary Flames are going to be. Seattle was a big surprise, but like, is that sustainable or was that a blip on the radar? Uh, we know what the San Jose Sharks are going to be. We know what the Anaheim Ducks are going to be. The Kings are going to be good, but you know, how good are they really going to be? And a lot of that hinges on a young player in Quentin Byfield being really, really good, taking a step. So, like, the Golden Knights are, are in a good spot in the Pacific, but I, I just get the sense that 
this team still feels like they've got unfinished business. Yeah. They won the Stanley Cup, and I, I get the sense from player to player, you know, anybody within the organization. Yeah, It's not just one that you're after. It's two. It's three. Like This is a team that... You know, I, we're we're flippant at times with the word dynasty, and I'm not saying that the Golden Knights are trying to be a dynasty. But when you take what they've done, and, and this was a talking point yesterday, when you take what they've done from inception to now, if they can tack on another championship or two over the next three to four years, you start to have a real legitimate conversation about what this team was able to do from when they broke into the NHL to what they've accomplished in their first 10 years as a franchise like you can get yourself there, and I think that that's what the players ultimately want. Oh yeah, they would. They would be. I mean, you look at what maybe the Penguins of the 2010s, the Blackhawks earlier in the 2010s as well, and then you know the other teams in the 2000s that tried to establish the dynasty. The Golden Knights could have a chance to be the team of the 2020s. I mean, that that's without question. I feel like that they have the chance to be that. And I mean, Bill Foley said that when he re-signed William Carlson that. Uh, you know, he promised him about three more cups, so they got a little bit more duration on that contract if you can get a few more cups that way. But, no, I, I agree. I think in the sense that when you look at the way that this team is coming back, you mentioned Riley Smith. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people on this roster that are happy with the fact that the majority of the team is coming back. And I think I posed that question to Aiden Hill this morning at the at the VGK Golf Tournament where I said, you know, you're coming back, you got the new contract, Ivan's coming back. You lose Riley, but the core is basically here. Yeah. And to me, I think that's the exciting thing for these guys is that, you know, you lost a very valuable leader in Riley Smith. And, you know, his production is going to be sorely missed at one point during this season, mm -hmm. whether it's on the ice or off the ice. But you're bringing the majority of the core back that won this Stanley Cup. And you you got Jack Eichel coming back off a terrific postseason. You got Mark Stone, you hope fully healthy. You have Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson better than what they were last year. I mean, when I was talking to Logan, you know, he was telling me conversations that him and Aiden were having that people thought they were going to be the worst duo in the league. And now they're going to be, you know, you have to presume top half, top 10 duos in the league now mm -hmm. with the way they're going. So there is a lot of confidence in this group that they can go in with the majority of the core that they have intact and whoever they're going to slide in Smith's spot and really feel like they can make some noise with what they did last year. So, you know, you, you start to think about what the championship means, right? And I think we have a pretty unique understanding of what the team means to the city. Hmm. Uh, George McPhee was was very open and very candid about what winning a championship meant to him, not just the accomplishment individually, but what it means for the city of Las Vegas. Um, how, how do you kind of, now that you've got some time, right, you, you've been able to separate from the sport of hockey you've been able to separate from national hockey league games um like does it does it feel real yet it's weird in the sense that you know for me personally i'm born and raised here and you know you talk to anybody else who's been here for as, as long as i have and you're like did a team from las vegas really just win a professional championship <laughs> like like, I'm telling you, like, I went to UNLV, and obviously I covered the Running Rebels at the time, and the only thing you would hear every single day was the national championship in 1990, and that yeah. was the only thing that this city could hold its hat on. Yeah. But now, what are we, 2023, and here's a hockey team that a lot of people pick to be the worst expansion team to ever grace the sport of hockey, and in six years' time, they've been to two Stanley Cup finals, they've been to four conference finals, uh, and they've won a cup. 
And it's like a team from Las Vegas did that. Uh-huh. It yeah. is still the most mind-boggling thing to think of sometimes that, you know, I would have thought maybe a basketball team would have come in here, an NBA team, if the NFL ever came in here, and not the Raiders, but someone else came in here and mm-hmm. it's like, we can do – a hockey team did this. Sure, yeah. And to me, that's still crazy. You know, it's like, you know, I have to be impartial a lot when it comes to watching this team, but, you know, I'm still born and raised Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And to see a professional team in my hometown do that, that's still the coolest thing, and it's still sometimes trying to wrap my head around that. Okay, so you said you have to be impartial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What was it like covering a a championship that was, you know, that was on the right side of history, right? Like, mm-hmm. you were there year one when the Washington Capitals beat the Vegas Golden Knights in yeah. the Stanley Cup final. I know it's something that nobody wants to think about, but when you go through things like that, it makes the ultimate prize that much yeah. sweeter. And and I, I was in the building for both. It was a very different experience for me <laughs> both times, and we can get into that too. Um, but for you... Like you, you went to both. You saw both. What was it like on the ice when the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup? So before the third period started, I was scrolling through my Instagram because I was trying to find all the old stuff that I took from 2018. Mm-hmm. And one of the videos I have is when the Capitals mob Braden Holpe at the far left net mm-hmm. after they win the Cup. You're really endearing yourself to, to people right now. Yeah, I know. It's so great. Just it's, so you're aware. It's great, right? Um, <laughs> and then just to see, like, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, you see a bunch of gold jerseys going to this side, and it's like, holy cow, that that's mm-hmm. crazy. And just the the loud, euphoric roar of mm-hmm. everybody. Nick Waugh scores that last goal. They show it on the replay. They start mobbing Aiden Hill in the net. Um, you know, I, obviously, I think there is a lot of sentimental value when it comes to the first year because I think not just getting to the cup final was great, but imagining winning that after what happened in October and just that whole – that that whole season. I th- just the way that they kept winning and winning. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen as far mm-hmm. as healing a city. Like that yeah. that was the only thing that was going through my mind and when they, you know, when they went to Washington and things went sideways, it was just well, I mean, a hell of a ride. That's basically sure. what it is. But to witness that and then to witness, you know, 6 years later, you know what, six guys left from that team mm-hmm. in year 1 winning the cup they all get the cup first after Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. And just to see everyone from outside to the inside of T-Mobile Arena just being so happy. I mean, I was looking over the the ledge. You know, you can see tears. There were hugs mm-hmm. everywhere when yeah. people weren't holding their phones. Just the contrast, but also just the loud euphoric roar of that entire night was just insane. So if... It were possible to do. Mm-hmm. Should Will Carrier have suited up in goal, <laughs> so that you could have started the uh, the original? Oh six? God! Can you imagine they come? The I can. Floor- I, I I've thought about it. Oh, like, I know. Multiple times. <laughs> I've I've thought about like listen. If, if Russ Tyler could do it, Will Carrier could do it. That's yeah. a that's a Mighty Ducks reference there. I was about to say, has there ever been a moment where? You would hope that Will Carrier like ices the puck within the first ten seconds, and then Bruce is like, "All right, <laughs> Will, get out of here. Aiden, go in there right now." Yeah. Um, you know that at, at least he acknowledged him in the locker room before him when yeah. he was doing this. Like, it's like, Will, I promise I'm not doing this because I hate you. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> to get the other five out there, but you know what that. That that would have made the post game story a whole yeah hell well, a lot I mean, more fun. <laughs> it, it would have been it would have been awesome like you know and and then you could have understood like okay oh, George yeah. McPhee I, I get the gimmick aspect of it but you know again <laughs> that was one of those things and and we're gonna get to a lot more here yeah. with, with Danny just a 
surrounding the Stanley Cup win, what we're looking forward to to next season. Um, but that's that's Bruce Cassidy coming in, right, as an outsider, looking at this team, understanding what's going on, and having a pulse for it. Like, just understanding what that moment meant for all of those guys, Will Carrier included. Um, I thought it set the table, set the tone for what that night was going to be. And I don't know about you, and we're going to get into it uh, on the other side of the break here. Um, I want to know what you felt going into that game. Game like, five? Yeah. I want, you to, okay. I want you to take the break. I want you to think about it because I want to know what you thought was going to happen prior to that game starting. That's next on the VGK Insider Show. Oh, boy. This is good. So Jared told me as we come out of the break that the music's going to be a little different this year. Can you explain to me why the music's going to be a little different this year? Um, that would be because there are new standards mm-hmm. with podcasting. Yep. And basically, if you play more than 30 seconds of a song, uh-huh. you're going to get copyright struck on sure. all the podcast uh, networks. And yep. I, I, I'm not paying for 30 so, seconds so this, of Hall and Oates. So instead, oh, what, you, what you're getting is uh, something called Asphalt Legends. That's what that, that's the name of that song? Yeah. Do, who's it by? Uh, it is by uh, non-copyrighted music. Okay, so just the, the data bank of, of non-copyrighted music. Okay, um, this stems from the notorious fight between you two and Chris Chapman. You know that, right? Wait, what? Yeah, Chris Chapman fought you two. Well, you two fought Chris Chapman. Essentially, oh. there was a flag issue where um, we had a U2 song, and, which I find the most ironic thing in the world. Like, you two gave away an album. Yeah, that, they don't even charge for their albums. That was still on my iPhone when I turned in my iPhone seven years later. I couldn't get rid of the thing. I couldn't turn it off. I couldn't do it. Every time I'd get in the car, you two would play, and now, they're, now they have an issue. Now they have an issue. I don't get it. doesn't make any sense to me. But I, I like that. That wasn't you, you told me it was going to be um, different. It was certainly different. It genuinely, I picked today's music based entirely off names. Okay. So we will have back in the lead, crushing victory, game changers, and girls night out. When you podcast this, will you please put that information in the, in the show notes? <laughs> I think I think everybody back in the lead and think, crushing victory. I think everybody wants to vibe to it. Uh, I'm Ryan Wallace. That's Jared Justice uh, filling in for Darren Millard today in the co-host chair is Danny Webster of the Las Vegas Sun. We uh, we we've talked a bit about you know kind of an overview of last season for the Golden Knights, culminating in this team's first Stanley Cup championship. I, I get the sense it'll be the first of many. Um, I don't know how like quickly that's going to happen, but. Uh, this is an organization that has one goal, one objective, and that's to win championships. We, we've seen it. It's come to fruition. And now all that you have left is the next one. But, Danny, we left off because I wanted to get a sense of where you were at going into game number five. Now, I'll tell you where I was. Party. Party, party, party. Party, 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 party. Like, I was, I was up in the press box, and I turned to... Uh, one of my coworkers here. I'm just like, it's six one. And we we've been doing this thing over the course of of the playoffs where he would ask me, like, what, what's it gonna be? And I tell him, and more often than not, I was close. But I said six one. I'm like, there's not even going to be a moment of anxiety here. This team's winning tonight. It's it's a it's a no-brainer. I was off by a few goals, but 
you know, the spread was was intact, and that's all I cared about. Yeah. Where were you going into Game 5? Okay, so there were a couple of layers to how I was approaching this. Like an onion. Yeah. So the day before, when you're talking to Jonathan Marcheseau, mm. Alec Martinez, all, all the veterans, they're talking as if this is the biggest game they're ever going to play in their lives. Mm-hmm. It's like, obviously, you win, you get the cup, but like, you would say that for like a Game 7 mm-hmm. of a championship. You would say that for, you know... Almost like Dallas, where you lose two games and you have to go back and you have to win. They're talking as if if they don't win this, they're probably going to lose the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the vibe I got from them. So I thought they were going to be at least determined into that aspect and be like, okay, they're probably gonna win three nothing, four nothing, and you know, cruise the rest of the way. Cool. Then we hear Matthew Kachuk isn't playing. He doesn't come out for warm-ups, he's not playing. I'm like, okay, it's probably gonna be six nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. Because <laughs> wow. I'm like, well, now you see your superstar is gone. Sure. Who do you have left that you can rely on with the way that the Golden Knights are suffocating you that entire series so mm-hmm. far? And then the starting lineups happen. I'm like, okay, they might score eight. Like, wow. I, I'm not even joking. Like, I legit thought they were going to blow the blow the Panthers right out of the water. Yeah, like, yeah. just the way that that crowd got – because we see the starting lineups when they come in on the roster report, and I looked at it, and I'm like – Okay, Bruce knows what he's doing, and mm-hmm. when the crowd hears this, the crowd's going to go nuts, and it's going to go. And I think it it started shaky a little bit. I mean, even George McPhee touched on it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we were, you know, the whole gimmicky thing. Well, we weren't really coming out strong, and like the first four minutes, the Golden Knights were saying, well, we weren't coming out strong. It was a little bit shaky, and then Mark Stone scores that shorthanded goal, and it's mm-hmm. like, and we're off. And I think that was just that just started this giant, giant avalanche of ridiculous proportions that night so you were confident i was very confident I, I i think the fact that they talked me into the building saying that alec martinez is like this is the most important game we're going to play all mm-hmm. year jonathan marshall's like we have to win this game i'm like i mean guys this ain't a game seven like mm-hmm. I mean, you know, none of us want to go back to sunrise but I, I i understand that but you know it, i i was fairly confident they were going to get it done and when they announced the starting line i was like yeah this this is pretty much over you know it's funny you bring up martinez hmm. because i i remember hearing Alec Martinez the day before too. Yeah. And when you've got a guy that's won two Stanley Cups, right? He's been a, a, a part of this before and won one in overtime against the best goalie of his generation and Henrik Lundqvist. Like it's when he says things like that, you you have an understanding of exactly what's on the line here because you don't want to give any life to the Florida Panthers. Because as far as Matthew Kachuk goes, sure he's out for game 5, but I I if there was a chance that that team believed they could get back in the series, if they won game five and you go back to sunrise for game six, Matthew Kachuk's in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And and we saw what he was almost able to do at the end of game four. Right? So so to me, I, I'm I'm right on the money there with with your assessment of Alec Martinez. When, when you've got a player that's been through it, that understands how hard that final one is to win um, – when, when that's how he's talking about approaching that game, it, it's it's a massive, massive win for the Golden Knights. Um, let's go back a little bit further then. Tell me the moment you believe this team could win a Stanley Cup. In the playoffs? Sure. Game five against Edmonton. Okay. Just because, obviously, it had been, you know, home, home, or one game, one game, mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. one loss. That game, it was... For some reason, it was just setting up to be 
just not their best night. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, what was it? I think McDavid scored first in the first couple of minutes, and then Eichel scored shortly after. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, at least you can. It wasn't until that five on three in the second period, and they started to establish control of the game where I was like, okay, at least you know that they can go to Edmonton with as much confidence as they had rallying from down. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2 1 at that point before they scored those three straight. And it was that game for some reason. I just like, even if they come back for game seven in Vegas, mm. they're going to win that game. Sure. Without question. But the fact that they were able to win the way that they did in game five and then go into game six in Edmonton and just mop the floor with them, rebound as well as they did after the, after that rough start, that's when I knew that this team has finally found the way to rally around adversity. And if they were to find any adversity at all in these playoffs, mm. they could rebound after that. What was the toughest series? I think it would have to be. I think it'd have to be Edmonton. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's not even. It's not it, even a choice. Yeah, I mean, I had, to, I had to think about it to be sure when you look back at the totality of like six games, six games, and two five gamers. But yeah, Edmonton by far the toughest series in that run. Okay, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to really um, make some people north of north of the border angry. Uh, that was the toughest series for the Vegas Golden Knights. Never faced elimination, mm-hmm. right? Never faced elimination. Um, never trailed in the series. Yeah. Right. Never trailed um, and obliterated that team five on five. Yeah. So that, and that was the that was the quote closest series yeah. that, that the Golden Knights had. Um, OK, I'm going to play a game with you. OK. Um, I want to know defining moment, signature moment from each series. Okay. OK. I did this yesterday. I've got my four. I'll give them to you afterward. But what was the signature moment, defining moment for the Golden Knights in their series against the Winnipeg Jets? Amadio's goal in game three. Good the, job. The overtime. I like it. Yeah. I like just, it. Just because the way that. The, <laughs> what a wild <laughs> game I, that I, was. Right? Exactly. I mean, you're up 4-1. You're thinking you're going to cruise to mm-hmm. a 2-1 lead, and then they rally back. They lose Josh Morrissey they, in that game. Yeah, they lose Josh Morrissey. Yeah. And then, you know, the fact that they were able to sustain that pressure in overtime and yeah. in the second overtime yeah. completely dominated them at 5-on-5. Five five. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think Winnipeg got a power play in either of those overtimes. At I don't, think, I don't so. think so. Yeah. So that one, to me, is like, if you lose that game, who in the world knows what happens? They they probably still find a way to win the series because sure. they probably bounce back. But the fact that Amadio scored that goal when he did and you know found a way to not lose that game, I think it would have to be that one. All right, you and I are on the same page. That's mine. Um, okay. The defining moment from the Edmonton series. If game five is is your your defining yeah. moment, that's fine. Like to me, game five would probably be the the. Five minute major, right? Keegan Colasar yeah. goes in, gets five minute major. The Edmonton Oilers are down four to two in that spot, right? They yeah. do score a power play goal, but it's just it. a power play yeah. goal. Like that is Vegas bending, not breaking. Like if you want to go there, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, I was there I was other one. Yeah, I was leaning toward that one, and I was leaning toward Petrangelo getting suspended. Okay, <laughs> please <laughs> only, continue. Which I guess kind of translates to Game Five because yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have him. Yeah, exactly. And they were five able, minute major without your best uh, defenseman. Yeah, exactly. Five minute major without your best defenseman, and you go out and just the fact that you only give up one goal mm-hmm. to that power play yeah. with your season basically on the line in that sense. Mm-hmm. I, I would have to say it would have to be that one. Okay, um, I'm gonna just say it, and, and I said it yesterday. I'm gonna double down on it. Mm. Alex Petrangelo versus the city of Edmonton was phenomenal. <laughs> 
I'm 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 not even like I I, I can't even hide it anymore, right? Mm. Like you know, in the in the moment, you're just like, yeah, well, you know, he probably shouldn't have slashed him that way. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> like inside, I'm sitting there saying, listen, you, you want to stop the runs from happening after the whistle? You want to stop all of that nonsense? Like you, you take a two hander to Leon Dreisaitl, that's going to get someone's attention, and it did, right? Yeah. So um, I loved that Petrangelo versus Edmonton. I loved the press conference from Petrangelo when he was back yeah. in the lineup, just <laughs> doubling down, just saying, ah, if they're going to run around, I'm going to be, uh, it was, it was theater. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, so you and I are kind of on the same page there too. Okay. Dallas. Jamie Ben suspension. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the fact that that is what we look at as mm-hmm. the most defining moment is weird because it's like, your captain gets suspended. You should be swept mm-hmm. in Game 4. And Dallas comes back. More credit to them. Comes back, wins Game 4 and Game 5. They were 0-4 with Jamie Benn in the lineup That's in insane. the Western Conference Final. That is insane. And I, <laughs> I enjoyed pointing that out every single time. That, that was insane. But just the fact that they were able to come back to Dallas and be like, okay, we kind of get our gotta get our stuff together here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. they, and they found out a way to not only just dominate, but play their most perfect game of the season. Th- that was their best game of the playoffs. Yeah. As as much as like 9-3 in the cup clincher is a really solid game. Yeah. That absolute demolition of the Dallas Stars was a a, a masterpiece. Um I I laid off Jamie Ben here. I laid off Jamie Ben okay. here. And uh the reason being is it drove a ton of engagement for me in the moment and I just wanted to like give him a, <laughs> give him a break. You know, I, I didn't want to like I, I didn't want to accidentally fall and and use my stick as a landing point on Jamie Ben now, <laughs> so I didn't. Um, but having said that, it's it's the goal for Jonathan Marsh is so set up by uh, Jack Eichel in game number two, yeah. right? Because we sit there and we think about it. It was a three nothing series lead for the Golden Knights, largely in part to Jamie Ben doing Jamie Ben things, but that was very much a close series through the first two games. Oh, yeah. It was neck and neck. And you start to sit there and think about, like, how how did it how did it end up 3-0? Like, how did the Golden Knights have a stranglehold on the series that through the first two games and, you know, 58 seconds was incredibly close? Yeah. Um, and it's because Jack Eichel made a play. And Jack Eichel made a play that other Golden Knights in years prior just weren't able to make. Yeah. It's his speed, it's his vision, it's understanding the moment, and it was, to me, the moment that changed Jack Eichel as a playoff performer. Oh, I agree. Okay. 100%. Real quick here, last one. Florida, Stanley Cup final, defining moment. So the the immediate one is Hill's save in game one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mine would be Mark Stone's stick-breaking putting a hit on Brandon Montour, <laughs> getting the stick back, <laughs> getting the stick from the bench, and then leading a three-on-two, and then Brett Howden scoring that goal. Like, okay. Like, like to me, that moment was... Yeah, it was good. Th- that <laughs> Just, I... Cause I'm, I'm actually replaying <laughs> it in my mind right now. I, I am. And I'm not going to lie. And that's the thing. Like, when you're watching it from up top, yeah. like, you didn't... I didn't even see a stick break because I'm more so focused on what's going on at the point. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I see Stone running without a stick, and he just lays it. I'm like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden, he's like, he's got a stick back. Him, Stevenson are running mm-hmm. a, like, an on-man rush, and Brett Howden comes back and, you know, 
undresses Sergei Bobrovsky there. There's <laughs> there's so many little plays in that, right? Like yeah. this this the stick breaks because of of the block shot. So he's getting in the lanes, right? And mm-hmm. then you've got finishing the check, interference maybe, but it's the Stanley Cup playoffs final. Get over it. <laughs> then he picks up the stick in in full flight, allows every allows the entire play to kind of pass him by and then finds the perfect outlet, the yeah. per, the perfect feed. It, it was phenomenal. You're you're right on the and, money there. And the other crazy thing about that, he was able to stay onside. Because it looked like, because you mentioned he's coming in on mm-hmm. flight, coming from the bench over to the to the middle of the ice. Yeah, he, he's like this close to being offside, and it could have completely blown that play dead. Yeah, that's a good one. I that's one I did not think of. So, Danny, you're doing a great job. All right, Danny Webster <laughs> in the co-pilot chair, Jared Justice behind the uh, controls, and it's me, Ryan Wallace. We will be back with more on the VGK Insider Show. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Rolling along here, VGK Insider Show. Big thanks to Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun, joining me for the entire two hours. Still getting used to this brand new studio. And now uh, like I'm getting used to all these different music rules and everything. Should have paid more attention over the summer, but I'll tell you, I was checked out completely. Um, but I will say this. Taking back Sunday? They're playing a free show on Fremont Street? Like, what? I I, I am out of the loop, but I shouldn't be out of the loop on fun music things I could do. Um, how do am I just now hearing about that? It's because you haven't been listening to your own. Like, you gotta, you that's gotta not, listen to your own station, man. That's not entirely true. I listen okay. to it when I'm in town. It's just, I don't, you know, get it out there. That is fair. Yeah, it is that, it is. I mean, that's, that's, there's only so much radio can do. <laughs> that's, a fair, that's, that's a fair assessment. Now, um, it, it, we have a little bit of time. So, uh, Danny then chimes in with his most obscure concert. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't want to cheat the listeners out. So, Danny, your most obscure concert. Most obscure concert. I think it was like 2015 or 2016. And I got free tickets from a friend of mine. And we go to the top of the stratosphere, or uh-huh. that's the strat now, and Smash Mouth wow. is playing. Okay. And, you know, the only reason why I thought of it is because the, the lead singer, God, God, I forgot his name. I feel so Steve bad. Steve Harwell. Steve Harwell, thank you. Um, you know, and this probably <laughs> probably not a bad time to mention this, but he was just so angry at the at the equipment. Mm-hmm. He was so angry that the speakers weren't working. Yeah, he had to sing All Star three different times because really? the, because the chorus wasn't reverberating through the speakers. It was just it, he was so angry, and now by, by the time he got to like the fifth song, I think everybody checked out. Okay, just, now I gotta know like. When you say he sang it three different times, like did he stop he and then stopped, restart it? Oh. Stopped. Oh, I thought like they did the entire song. It's like not quite good oh, enough. Oh no, it was. It didn't sound great, mm-hmm. and he. And it, <laughs> <laughs> was that the X Men theme? Uh, no, it is not copyrighted. <laughs> anyway, that music indicates you guys have one minute left in the segment, and uh, apparently, oh. I'm getting used to the new board as well. That was pretty loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The reaction from Jared Justice. I, you know, I, I don't know what we got to do, but we got to get a, a video camera in here so that we can we can show the world some of the shenanigans that actually happened. So Smash Mouth All Star three times yeah. on top of the strat. I, yeah. I'll have to think. Yeah, I don't think that there's one 
that I've been to that's going to top that. I'll, I'll try. He was angry. He was angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. we got a lot more to get to in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. Stick with us. We're going to tell you where the Stanley Cup will be.